Daniel, we are back. Hello, we are back. Well, I'm back. Uh, you are back. Yes. Your last episode, I missed a lot. I missed a lot. Um, Happy to have you back. Yeah, it's 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 good to be back today. We are also down a man. Adam's not here. He will mm-hmm. be here on the weekend. Uh, school comes first, as everyone says. So yes, we'll be. He'll be back on uh, Sunday. Hopefully, I should be here on Sunday too. Mm-hmm. Um, I should be here Sunday a, as well. Yes. It's a rotating mix of uh yes. characters the last couple of weeks, but we will get us all back on the show eventually. That's, yes. That's the goal. That's you know the what's goal. funny? It's been happening with TSN as well. Like uh Jay on right, it's like yeah. he, like here on and off for his show. Oh really? It's like a different host like the last few days. So I'm like, oh okay. Everyone needs a break from uh from TSN from trade deadline. Yeah, it probably. Busy, it was a busy week. It was a busy week. Um, I will say from last episode, uh, I this is my. I'd like to apologize as well. Adam apologized to Pierre Dorian. I feel I should do the same because I absolutely ripped them <laughs> the episode before. Um, they absolutely stole Jacob Chickering from the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, I, I'm not going to repeat what Adam said about the Coyotes. Cause again, I agree with them. Just go listen to that episode, but they yeah, props to Pierre Dorian, man. Yeah. Props, um, to props to Pierre Dorian. I mentioned it already before, like yeah. the conditions, even if they're all met, that's still a steal for Jacob Chickering. Yeah, no, I, I mean, listen, I don't think they're making the Eastern conference finals. I, I, yeah, I said Boston, New York. So, um, we will we will see but i'd say that's a steal but let's get to the stuff from this week uh let's start with the leafs um i don't i never start i never like starting with the leafs but i we're we're going to we're going to do it today uh i guess there's two places we can start the first one being the o'reilly injury uh from their game against vancouver after blocking a shot um which is like the funniest <sighs> Not the funniest, but considering the reputation <laughs> reputation that this team has for if they get a injury, blocking a shot is um, it's like is it's ironic. Such a thing, ironic. Yeah. It's ironic. It's such uh, a Leafs thing to happen. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So if you don't know, he has a broken finger. He's going to be out four weeks. So I think the timeline should be he'd be back for the last couple games of the regular season. I am crossing my fingers. This is not Nick Foligno 2.0 again. And the thing with, uh, I guess the difference here between what happened with Felino and what happened with O'Reilly is they are two completely different injuries. As in, with Felino, I think if I remember correctly, before he came to the Leafs, his back was already a little bit messy. Yeah. And when he then came to the Leafs, it was his back that flared up again. Whereas with O'Reilly, before he came to Toronto, he had the, bro- uh, I believe it was a broken foot. It, it was something to do with his feet. Um, and he came back. I mean, listen, he had like, three points in four games or so uh, when he came back with the blues and then he comes to the Leafs and it's a, it's a broken figure. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one for sure. I think it is because of the amount of fanfare that came in with Ryan O'Reilly. 
it's funny um a lot of my other friends that uh they're more basketball guys they they yeah. kept asking me uh what is this in nba terms and i said and i don't know if you could agree but i said this is like a drew holiday type acquisition i'm no. not gonna lie i got no clue i okay, couldn't like, even pinpoint i couldn't pinpoint what what the comparison is Okay, okay, because it's like thirty-two year old, uh, yeah. you know, all star, not superstar. Um, okay. Defensively responsible, okay. one of the yeah. most defensively responsible players. Uh, plays a great two-way game, but he's not your focal point. That's a I, yeah. That's yeah. a fair. That's a fair uh, comparison. I never like doing this. I, since you brought it up, <laughs> listen. I I never like doing this when I make comparisons between the Leafs and the Raptors. Maybe again, I I don't know, Daniel. You tell me if I'm wrong. It, my first thought was when I was thinking about NBA comparisons was uh, Marcus All, but mm. I, I I don't know. You tell me. Am I close or am I very far off? You know, like. No, that that does make sense. Like you know, he's not gonna be he's not gonna get as many touches as he did his previous team. Uh, he comes in as a uh, solid veteran that you you do need for those type of playoff games. Uh, but yeah, I know what you mean it gets tough because eventually when you do say, "Oh, Drew Holiday is Ryan O'Reilly," yeah, everyone's gonna ask. So is Austin Matthews Giannis? <laughs> Listen, I I don't know, I don't know, I, I I I can't make those comparisons. I don't know basketball well enough to to do that. But let let's go. They played their first game without Ryan O'Reilly last night against mm-hmm. the against and the without Luke Shen Niger- and, and without John Tavares. Yes, <laughs> they were yes, without, John Tavares. Yeah, yeah, they were out with their two. They were out two top six um, centers. Michael Bunting was on the fourth line. Alex Kerfoot was on the was on the um, Alex Kerfoot was on the first line. I didn't think I'd be saying that uh, so soon. Mm-hmm. Um, they beat. They did win. They beat the Devils four to three. Walking into this game, I think one of the bigger storylines was that the Devils are an extremely fast team, mm-hmm. and the Leafs aren't really that fast anymore um, in terms of like compared to what they were a couple of years ago. And I'm not going to lie. I don't know if you watched how much of the game you watched, but that first period. Wow. Like it, it was, they, you could tell the difference in speed and the fact, and, and let's, I'll, I'll be honest, Samsonov really, really kept them in that game in the first period. Yeah, um, I remember um, it was James Duthie who was talking about it uh, with Mark Masters, actually. And uh, post-game, they said if it wasn't for Samsonov, that game would have easily been 4-0 getting into the second period. So he really did keep them in there. Um, what I thought about this one is like I, I was happy that the Leafs grinded out and got the win, but it was a gutsy win. It really was. Like, the way the game went, eventually, the the amount of mistakes on both sides. I'm just happy the Leafs were able to grind it out. Yeah. And I think coming off of, I mean, the game against Vancouver was that, that was I tough. I, I, I turned it off after the two shorthanded goals. Like I just, I, I'm like, I, I was, I couldn't, 
I'm not interested in watching this. Like it, it was brutal. Um, I think coming off that game, and then I mean, even the the six two loss to the Oilers, and I, I know you have that Flames game in between, but still, those two games were were tough ones for the Leafs, and I think being down. Yeah, sure. Being down Luke Shen and two and two top six centers um, is definitely is definitely tough. And I think to get this win uh, was definitely something they they needed needed to do, especially and and these wins are important. And we're gonna get to Tampa Bay, but it's important. And I know I was the one who said it doesn't matter if you have home ice advantage. And frankly, it doesn't in the grand scheme of in the entire context of the situation. But I think you're giving yourselves creating a gap between you and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, I agree. Um, one other thing I'd like to compliment with all those injuries is how well that second line actually performed. Uh, Sam Lafferty. Uh, Callie Yorncruck and William Nylander. Uh, they got a, a few goals in there and uh, kind of kept things to going uh, for them. So a lot of loss of depth, but I like that Sheldon Keith was very creative with that because I wouldn't expect Lafferty to play that high in the lineup. I mean, I don't know if he expected... <laughs> I, 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 let's be honest. I don't know if he expected Sam Lafferty to play this high up the lineup uh, this quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say like one other thing, and you talk about the creativity and I, I wouldn't particularly say this is creative. I think this was more to give this particular player a kickstart, brought him up already. Michael Bunting playing on the fourth line with Pontus Holmberg and uh, Alex Steves. And he ended up with the game winning goal last night. Um, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to praise Sheldon Key for putting him on on the fourth line, but I think if you look at Michael Bunting's, uh, let's say last couple months, it's been very up and down, up and down, up and down. And I think now with, I don't know, 20 games to go or so, you want these guys to ramp, ramp up a little bit. And Michael Bunting's a guy who, when your team is fully healthy, is going to play in the top six. What like I'd imagine, <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure he's going to keep that spot next to, um, next to Matthews and or Marner or Nylander, whichever one uh, he, whichever one Keith decides to put next to Matthews, uh, and I think it's going to be important that he's on his game. And he had that stretch where. It was tough, and he's going to have to get back to what he's good at, which I would argue is just being a pain in the ass. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think yesterday was a big confidence booster for him, especially the fact that he was able to reclaim more of that power play time and get that goal. If this is something that you have to deal with right now, and it's not a big issue, but it's just something that, you know, get the guy back to how he was playing before, I don't mind this approach that it's it's more of like a game to game kind of prove me prove to me that uh you deserve that top 6 you deserve that power play time so I'm not too worried about Michael Bunting but I'm kind of just like like you said I am very much more comfortable 
with him in the top six than an Alex Kerfoot at this point. Yeah, I think in the long run, man, if Alex Kerfoot's in the top six, um, come the playoffs, I, I, I something's either gone terribly wrong or I, I don't understand. Like, I think if you're even if you're going three lines deep or three centers deep in Matthew Savares, um, Matthew Savares O'Reilly. Again, you have Bunting, Matthews, Marner, or yeah, Bunting, Matthews, Marner. I would go Yarn Crook, Tavares, Nylander. Like I, I don't, I just don't understand this obsession with, with putting Alex Kerfoot in the top six. I don't think necessarily that should be the case with this team anymore. I think you could make the argument last year because of the other players, but I don't think you can look at the roster this year and be like, yeah, he's in the top six. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Like we've seen it before. It's been tried so many times. You can say the fact with Justin Hall, but he had a great assist yesterday. Um, Justin Hall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We could have those agreements. We could have the same thing with both of them, but yeah, like I think when when healthy, I think they know their role now. They know that what works, what doesn't. So I think it's more of just a out of necessity at this point right now. Just until everyone comes back. Yeah, that that's true. Um there's okay, there is always controversy when it comes to the Leafs back end. Does it ever go away? No. Um <laughs> and it includes this time Timothy Lilligren. Last uh last playoffs, I want to say it was game 4, game 5, Timothy Lilligren was taken out of the lineup to play Justin Hall. I'm not going to explain further on that. I think we can infer what I'm pointing out there. I think it was whatever. It was the wrong decision. This time around with Timothy Lilligren, who is very much better than he was last year, who has solidified to me, solidified a spot in this Leafs blue line, whether people like it or not, he has is still becoming a healthy scratch. And I just, I I don't understand it. So he missed the two previous games against Vancouver and against Calgary. He was a healthy scratch. And this is the quote. I have two quotes from, from Keith. This is from Mark Masters. With the trades and everything, we got more depth on D, so you just got to play at your highest level to be in the lineup. And that's what I'm looking to do. Uh, Keith on Timothy Lilligren. He's an important guy for us, but as as I've talked to him about, our team is deeper on defense now. The standard is higher in terms of staying in. He was in a similar situation last year. Can we stop? Like, I mean, listen, when Justin Hall is fine, Justin Hall is fine. But when Justin Hall is not fine, he is so not fine. Like, it's... I think we talked about it when we when they made all these trades, and I understand like Luke Shen's not here is is uh, back in Vancouver because uh, his wife is about to give birth. Luke Shen's not here; he's not an option. When are we gonna have like the 
Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, Jake McCabe, Timothy Lee. Like, can we put Morgan Riley back next to TJ Brody and allow, like, I don't see a spot for Justin Hall in, in, in these, in this defensive line. You tell me if I'm wrong, I'm going to name, I'm going to list off who the pairing should be. You tell me if you would change something. Riley Brody. No. Um, Giordano Lilligren. No, I like that one. You think McCabe Shen. No, I actually like solid. And you still have Justin Hall, Eric Gustafson, and um, Connor Timmons. Yeah, I prefer. I don't know. Like, I mean, at this point, maybe just recency bias, but I'd put Timmons over Hall, in my opinion, for the way he's played. Um, I think it depends on who goes down. Yeah, I, it's tough. It's like, <sighs> well, I know, like he he has guys. Like, it's not a. Mike Babcock situation where it's like I have my guys, Leo Carmel, I don't know, man. It, it's it's getting to that point. Like I understand the necessity with Kerfoot now. I could understand it, mm-hmm. but if why Kerfoot is always the number one option to be moved into the top six, I don't understand. That's when it comes to Keith's guys, Hall and Kerfoot. I think are. The prime example of Keith's guys, the same way Marlo and whoever was, um, were Babcock's guys. Yeah, I could, I could, like, I mean, for what I've just heard, what I've read, it's just, it's, it's not like it's like it's exactly his guy, but it's more of the way the guy approaches things. So, um, apparently, like Keith really does like the. Not stone face, like, but like the the serious guys, the guys that is just prototypical hockey guys. We're just kind of like you know when they talk to the media, it's like I have to play better. That's it. And I, I haven't. Think, see, sorry, go finish. Yeah, so like it's just the feeling that like maybe that's it. like I don't I don't know like like I, I'm going deeper into something like you know interpersonalities of these players, but I don't know it's just something about it. It's just like. <laughs> You know, like what we talked about with Paul Fenton is like I had a feeling about it. I'm not saying Keith is like that, but it, it's it's feeling to me like that. Whereas, you know, I got I have a feeling that this guy's gonna break out or he's gonna have a solid game. So I don't know. And you know, Justin Hall did have a good pass last night and uh, was okay. So we might actually still see him in the lineup. And that and that's fine, fine. But when Luke Shen comes back, I just don't understand the justification for taking out Justin Hall or sorry for taking out Timothy Lilligren. I don't understand that justification. Yeah. That's yeah. where, that's what I, I don't understand. Like if you want to take Mark Giordano out for a night, shift TJ Brody to the left and say, Hey, Justin play. Okay. I just don't understand. I, I don't get how he's a main staple in this top six with the other defensemen they have assets on what does okay this is how i look at it as in if justin hall is playing he is playing on the bottom pair yeah i'm comfortable there what is he going to do 
when Tanner Janot comes running at him. I know what Luke Shen would do. And listen, this is a poor, poor argument. I know. I get it. But what is he going to do when Tanner Janot comes running at him? You're going to put Tanner Janot, Russ Colton. What um, is he going to do? <laughs> what is he going to do when Pat Maroon runs right through him? Corey Perry. That's all I'm asking. Like, yeah. I understand. I Listen. I have an idea what Luke Shen would do because I saw it in his first game. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a guy more hit, finish their hits more in my life <laughs> in a Leafs jersey since probably around the same time that Luke Shen was a Leaf the first time. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that because um, I remember um, I sent you guys the video of his uh, uh, his draft and that's what they talked about. I was like, you know, he never... He never backs down. He finishes all his uh he finishes all of his checks. And then I think yeah. Pierre McGuire is the one like, this is the start of the rebuild. Yeah, and uh, I think Duthie was talking about it on Trade Center where his one of his first questions he asked Luke Shen was, How are you gonna lead the Leafs to the Stanley Cup? <laughs> it's like imagine being 18 years old. Like and... they, they did play him right away, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but it's after you just got drafted by the Leafs, and the first question is, how are you going to lead the Leafs to a Stanley Cup? Yeah, like I don't know. Maybe this is my my boomer take boomer mm-hmm. take of the year that Luke Shen should be in the lineup over Justin Hall, and maybe I'll live to regret that. Maybe oh. I'm completely wrong. And that's fine. I've been wrong many times. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why they got him, right? Like, I think you wouldn't have improved that right side if you didn't believe that there was a room for improvement. So, I don't know. We'll see. Everyone Again, it's we don't know. When everyone's healthy. We'll see how it is. And then I think then we could go, Sheldon, we understand. Or Sheldon, I don't understand. <laughs> I, yeah, well, right now I don't understand. There's plenty of things I, I don't understand. Um, there's one more thing. Sorry, I, you brought up the defense and the trades, and can we talk about real quick? And I want to see what his stats were the other night. The revisionist history on Rasmus Sandin. I I don't know if you've seen the numbers he's he's uh, put up. Why can't I find him? They had an assist last night, I remember. He's had he has had some good games. He had three he had three points, three assists in his first game or his second game, and a goal and an assist last night or two nights ago. Can can we just revisit real quick why he was traded? It had nothing to do with cap space, and it had everything to do with gaining an asset who are gaining a gaining an asset for a player who where does he fit in the top four yeah i it's funny even when he was traded i remember uh there was so many comments where the leafs literally like quote the leafs literally traded their best first round pick since matthews i'm like okay that's a bit of a that's a bit of a stretch (laughs) like once again i said it when he was traded and call me crazy but 
who's been, Timothy Lilligren has been more of a staple on that D than Rasmus Sandin has been this year. Mm-hmm. To me, to me, because they've clearly given like, and whether this is wrong or right, but the fact is they gave Timothy Lilligren many more chances in the top four and he's succeeded. I think at the same time too, you look at last year, Sandine, or even the year before that as well, Sandine, you know, when they called him, when they started playing Enter Sandman, when he yeah. scored a goal, I think, I thought that was going to be his uh, breakout party. And then this year where, or last year where it's like, you know, it's his to lose. And I think it was his to lose because if you were comfortable with him in the top four, with him playing on the left side every night, you wouldn't go out and get Mark Giordano. Right. 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 Exactly. Um, I, listen, and uh, I was talking, talking to someone who is a Caps fan and he's like, okay, what like good trade? I'm like, yeah, man, like Rasmus Sandin already on the Capitals is going to be a fun, a really good top four defenseman. That wasn't going to happen here. No, it just wasn't like, would you know what's going to be really interesting? And I'm I'm not trying to crap on Rasmus Sandin. I just what's going to be really interesting is what happens when John Carlson comes back and he's taken off the first power play. Yeah, like that's all. He's he's going to progress to a point where that he's not going to need the power play to put up numbers like that. I, mm-hmm. I think he can get to a point where he can do that five on uh, five on five regularly. Um, I just, there was no path. You have Morgan Riley, whether people like it or not, is here until the end of this contract. He's going to be, he's going to be on PP one. He's going to be in your top four. How different is Rasmus Sandian from Morgan Riley? And the thing is, we don't know yet. I think if you do the, uh, revisionist idea of it. It's like, yeah, he's doing really well in Washington, but yes. two things there. There's a, it's a small sample size. Mm-hmm. Second, do you see where the caps are right now? Like they need offense Beds. from anywhere yeah. in the lineup. That's not named Alexander Ovechkin. The and, way the caps yeah. are playing right now, it's just, they're going to give him the minutes because they have nothing to lose. I think with the Leafs, it was more of a, we have guys that's going to play above him, but you know we're not going to risk it of it. But in in Washington, it's we have to give him the minutes. Yeah, like who is he taking out of the lineup this year? He can't play on the right. By the way, we've done that experiment; it's failed. Mm-hmm. Who's he taking out on the left side? McCabe, Giordano, or Riley? Which one? Back. Come game one of the playoffs. I'm taking those three left left guys over Rasmus Sandin 10 times out of 10 today. That's all that matters is today. Mm-hmm. Next year, nothing past five years. And unfortunately, five years into the future, I, I don't care about right now. Yeah, it's like the reality of do you want your team to contend? Okay, great. Assets are going to be spent. Um I think a big thing is 
teams sometimes when they have the window, I think not not teams, but I think the fans of certain teams have this idea that yeah, you you got to stockpile it, but it's not like like I think the way they they showed it's like oh the Leafs are trading too much of their future, but and this might be like a biased thing, but I do feel like Dubis has done well without a first round pick. He's done well deeper into the draft and mm-hmm. it's not bare bones in any way the way that it is and I think Sandin as good of as a player as he was I think he was prompted up as two things he was the draft steal he came into the lineup pretty early he had big moments in the playoffs and I think that's what he's going to be remembered for at least right now and it's just it's like a narrative I feel that Okay, yeah, he was a first round pick, but he was a late first round pick. And then look how far he progressed, and we just didn't see enough of it. But there's a reason why we didn't see enough of it. I brought the Giordano example again. Um, if we were able to see enough of it, see enough of what he can do right now for a contending team, Jake McCabe wouldn't be on the Leafs. Not wrong. I I don't. I, I don't think you're wrong at all. Um, I didn't expect us to spend that much time on Rasmus Sandin revisionist history. Uh, so let's move on to um, the opponent the Leafs will play in the first round. And I have some thoughts. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not sure if you saw in their game against uh, Buffalo, John Cooper sat the first line. The first, the his first line, yeah, <laughs> in point Stamkos Kucherov. I'm just pulling up the quote now. They didn't. He did not play the entire third period. So I'm gonna read, and, and I think they lost that game barely. Um, and I'm going to. I want to read you this this quote. This is his quote after the game. Well, as coaches, you got to put your team in the best position to win. And 99.9% of the time, those guys give us the best chance to win when they're on the ice. It just felt in the third period, they weren't giving us the best chance to win. This team has been unbelievable for a decade. You take the three finals. Well, there's a reason uh, a lot of that's happened. We have a set of standards here that everybody adheres to. And it's not pick and choose. It's everybody. It's how... It's how it was for today. Like I said, those guys are an extremely important part of our team. But for 20 minutes tonight, I thought that the other guys could get it done. And you know what? They almost did. He said he he had more. They added more there about uh, the pride in the room and the organization and stuff like that. But I think that first paragraph uh, gets the point across where it's like, holy crap. And like, this isn't the first time... Um, John Cooper has done something like this. Uh, I'm trying to remember the season, but remember when he benched Kucherov? Yeah, called out his team, called the effort. Yeah, he, this isn't a, this isn't a first time thing for John Cooper. He's He's done this in the past. But what I would say is different is how they followed up this game by getting absolutely killed by the Carolina Hurricanes. Six nothing. They had like four shots 
after the first, like it was, it was a rough game. And like, I watched back like a, a long highlight package of that game. And there was never a time the lightning um, looked like a better team. Now, granted last night, they beat the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah. I like this to say, man, Tony D'Angelo, what are you doing, man? Speared <laughs> my boy, Corey Perry. <laughs> But Man. yeah, I I don't know the lightning. I guess like it's more on display now. Like when they talk about John Cooper talked about that culture in the locker room of these set of standards on things. Um, I guess like one thing is that you know there's no preferential treatment whatsoever for the team. Um, I was first looking at it, just it's kind of crazy to me. I think okay, this is another example. I'm gonna use another basketball example, but. Okay. This was more of a load management type thing, but it was a kind of thing where Greg Popovich on the Spurs at the time, I think he just had that faith in his bench and his role players where on a nationally televised game, he sat Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, and Manu Ginobili. But that was for load management. Load management. But at the same time, like he said the same thing where it's like, you know, there's the other guys there that uh, I think they could pull it off. Jeez, that's... That's ballsy, I feel like, in basketball. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, there was listen, let's be let's be real frank here. This means nothing. This means absolutely nothing. The Tampa Bay Lightning are gonna be fine. I really just think, and you tell me if you disagree, I just think this is a slight bump in the road for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, um, We've talked about them so many times in their competitive window that this is a team that we've seen respond to adversity. And it's never a smooth road for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, We talked about Columbus. We talked about the back and forths getting into those two cup wins. And for me, like as another team, I wouldn't see it it as like, oh, look, there's cracks in the foundation. It's more of like, Okay, it's another challenge they're going to go through. Like, how are they going to be now when we go into the playoffs? Because I don't see a fracture team. I don't see in any way a declining team. I think they're rejuvenated Like two, for two things. Like, we talk about what's been going on this latest stretch. We can even say losing in the finals. Like, how's that affecting them right now? Daniel, I'm happy you brought up the playoffs. Because last year, Someone texted Elliot Friedman and said, do the lightning look tired? And then everyone's like, oh, the lightning look tired. The lightning look tired. Should we be worried? The answer was no. Can we please not go through this again? I I don't want to do it. I don't want the next 20 games to be, I don't know, man, the lightning don't look like they, they look like they're struggling a little bit. And then the playoffs show up and everyone's just killer. And you know what? I'm going to be like, I told you so. When that Leafs Lightning series goes to seven games and in game seven, Tampa Bay and Andre Vasilevsky just show up. What am I going to say? I told you so. I I don't want to do this again. They're fine. They're fine. Until they are literally breaking down. They are fine to me. This is They are literally in the same... Uh, realm as the Boston Bruins 
we can yeah. keep we can keep saying they're going to go down but until i actually see it i can't believe it yeah same here i think and again we, we talked about tanner's you know getting traded there and for what they gave up for him i just don't think at any way they think we're getting tired we're getting complacent no like that's another trade you do to rejuvenate everything yeah i i can't it's the most frustrating narrative i've ever seen that the that they're tired that they're i don't know like it's just silly i you know what let's let me be real i hope i'm right i'm sorry i hope i'm wrong maybe they are tired and that's and you know what the leafs get to the second round and they get probably get their asses handed to them by boston but that's fine um I hope I'm wrong. I hope they're tired. Maybe. I, I don't Maybe. know. But I'm I can't do this for the next three games where we have yeah. the we have to have the narrative that oh, I don't know about Tampa. I don't but know. I kind of agree with like the John Cooper thing, not of benching the guys, but more of the faith in them. I think it wasn't just a it wasn't just like an empty statement. I think it does make sense because we do look at that top three and the production is a bit lower this year. Well, point can't point was injured for the first. Yeah. Stamkos. It's, it's like, he's probably going to finish in the seventies. I think Kutrov's the only one surging, but it, it is true. When you look at like the rest of that line, like Brendan Hagel has somehow become a point per game player. I mean, he's had the goals and he was able to do that in Chicago. So, it's just kind of crazy. Uh, Stamkos has 65 points in 64 games. Okay. I think he's a good... Dude, you know, I we always forget about this, or maybe it's just me, but he had 106 points last year. Yeah. Like... Yeah, it's lower. See, Mike, you might want to get 82. Oh, okay, <laughs> fine. He is, like... That, that's it. You know, we always talk about, like, the guys we don't count out. Yeah. I'm not counting him out. That I would never count Steven Samko's out. He had 19 points in the playoffs last year. Like, I, I'm not counting these guys out until I literally see them breaking down. Yeah, same. I, and, you know, uh, you, you have Anthony Sorelli in fantasy. You understand. I, I also have Braden Point. In, yeah. I also have Braden Point in fantasy. Um. um yeah, it's just it's all these guys scoring. Like we've talked about even their defense. We didn't mention their defense. Like I have Mikhail Sergachev in fantasy and yeah. he's fit that Ryan McDonough role perfectly. Yeah, they're going to be a four like we walked into the playoffs last let's let me let's put this in perspective. We walked into the playoffs last year saying, I don't know, like they might be tired. They beat the Leafs in seven. Then they beat the Panthers in five, right? They didn't mm-hmm. sweep, the, or did they sweep the? They didn't sweep the Panthers, did they? Let me go check. That. I, I don't think they swept the Panthers. I think it was four-one. Then they went to the Eastern Conference Finals, where down two nothing, and won four straight games against the New York Rangers, who had the best goalie in the NHL last year. And Igor Shosturkin. And then they went to six games against the Colorado Avalanche, who were an absolute beast. Yeah. 
They lost Last to a season. juggernaut. Like the only way to beat them was a juggernaut. And um, <laughs> confirming, yeah, they did sweep the Panthers. They swept the Panthers. Okay. They swept the the president's trof- trophy winner, Florida Panthers. And that was when they were tired. What? Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Enough. Like, let's not. Let, they're, they're fine. They're not breaking down. They're, they're, they're fine. I will. Let, we keep bringing up John Cooper. And you know my love for John Cooper. Mm-hmm. So now that we're, I guess, past the trade deadline, the NHL is doing their trophy tracker for, I guess, the back half of the season. Uh, it's to mark the three quarters point of the 2022-2023 regular season. And the one they did yesterday was for the Jack Adams trophy. Did you happen to see the the list? I know John Cooper's like, he's not even top three. Daniel, it's so much worse than you you imagine. Okay. <laughs> so much worse. Um, so in th- this was from the NHL.com. So it's voted on in this case. Uh I'm guessing it was just like the NHL writer, NHL.com writers uh voted on this. But at the end of the year, it's vote voted on by the NHL Broadcasters Association. In first place with 75 points, Jim Montgomery. Okay. Fair. Bear. Uh, he was my choice. He was my choice. Second place with 47. Lindy Ruff. Okay. We can make the argument. Yeah. The I don't know if I'd agree. Yeah. We can make the argument. In third place with 21 points. Rod Brindamore. Fair. That's a very uh, classic choice. You know what I mean? Like that's the same yeah. choice every year. Yeah. But it's it, he's one of the best coaches in the NHL. It's fair. It's a it's mm-hmm. a fair argument. Do you want to know how many points John Cooper got? Thirty-four. Daniel, he got zero. <laughs> he had no one voted for him. I don't know why. It's just like we've talked about this throughout the last few years and you know what I mean? It's it's like the Lightning had to do something to be this competitive for so long for have these many. Okay, the one thing I will really give them credit for is the roster shuffles. You'll always have that those top guys, but like the way they've been able to shuffle and resupply and restock everywhere in their lineup, that just doesn't happen, right? Like, you know, a Russ Colton, I'll use this as an example because I've used so many other guys. Um, that just that just doesn't happen that he becomes a solid top nine guy out of nowhere. Yep. You know what I mean? Like remember when he's yep. like, oh, they lost that crazy third line that they traded so many assets for. Like, how are they gonna respond by still making it to the finals? He this is his one, two, three. Eleventh or twelfth, eleventh year in the NHL. This has included him uh, having one of the best teams in in, um, salary cap history 
winning 62 games. I get it. They got swept, but the Jack Adams award is a regular season award. 62 games. He didn't. Let me put it like this. He's been a Jack Adams finalist twice in 2013, 14 and in 18, 19. He has been a Jack Adams winner zero times. Someone's going to have to explain this to me. Me too. Because, yeah, I don't know. he's He's a... He's the longest tenured coach in the NHL right now. No one's been a head coach of a singular team right now than him. Yeah, it's crazy. I guess I realize that. Like, it's the same faces here and there, but like they all move around. But John Cooper hasn't. What am I missing? What 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 am I what am I missing? I don't I don't understand what he has to do to win. Is he the only like is he the only guy who has such a good team that he can't win this award? Daryl Sutter won it last year. Didn't he have a good team? Yeah, they were solid. I Rod, think but that was also but, like I don't describe it like it's there's like certain narratives of that um like when i mean my like certain narratives i mean like maybe we've reached a point where it's like there's too much of a juggernaut that we don't have that like underdog story anymore of a guy turning it around and winning it but well that's I, I think what this that he should is. win yeah he should win for a model of consistency and roster turnover and still doing so well yeah I, I just the fact that he hasn't been a finalist more than twice, how he's not a finalist almost every year is beyond me. Like I just I can't understand why the award for the best coach it's the Jack well it, it's supposed to be for the best coach. Mm-hmm. But it's the goes to the coach who's led his team to the playoffs, who we didn't think was going to make it to the playoffs, is essentially what it's become. This yeah. year, it might be an anomaly. This year, it might be Jim Montgomery because he should get it. Yeah, it was a team we thought was going to make the playoffs, but are so much better than we expected, and I think he's played a major part in doing that. Yeah. How he has zero votes is beyond me. Like, can I read you some of the names respectfully of who are also on this list? Mm -hmm. Dean Evison got a point. Derek Lalonde got two points. Okay. McClellan, Todd McClellan in LA got five points. Bruce Cassidy got nine. Brick bonus. Also got nine. Like what? How does John Cooper have zero? What am I missing? I don't know. You know what? Like this actually conversation made me a lot more confused now. I don't actually know what is missing. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't. Maybe they saw the cups. Okay. You're like, okay, that's enough, John. That's enough, man. 
uh, that'd be a lazy that'd be i believe that would be their yeah. excuse it's a lazy <laughs> excuse uh for the sake of adam i will point out jared bednar got 11 points which if there's a year he shouldn't be up there maybe it's this one but it's really not his fault. Like there's so many injuries. Many injuries. Uh, I can't. Did my boy not get any points? Him. Who? Gerard uh, uh, Gallant. Oh, <laughs> um, um, he did not. Okay. He did not. Yeah. And your boy um, Dallas Eakins, unfortunately, got no points too. Ah, uh, yeah, that's, that's already un- given. That's un- <laughs> it's unfortunate. <laughs> unfortunate. Um, okay, to end the show. I want to do this uh, exercise. I've called okay. it. In. I have so, the standings up. Perfect. You already know where I'm going. Now, I want to look at now we're past the deadline. All the teams have made the trades that they're going to make. Now, I only I put the East, but then I was looking at it. Let's do the East and the West. There is a, a bit of a wild card race going on right now. I think for the most part in the East, the divisions are set, I'd say. Like, I think it's going to be Carolina, New Jersey, and the Rangers are going to be the three teams in the Metro. Boston, Toronto, Tampa are going to be the teams in the Atlantic. But we got a very interesting. There's many teams who are, I think, are in the wild card race in the in the East, and I'll list them off. So the Islanders uh, have 74 points. In the first wild card spot, then the Penguins have seventy three, just behind the second wild spark wild card spot. Sorry, then you go Florida with seventy, Ottawa with sixty eight, Buffalo with sixty eight, Washington with sixty eight, and Detroit with sixty five. And then we kind of fall off a bit. Yeah. We got Philly with fifty nine, and and um, and so on. What? two teams from that list do you think will make the playoffs this year? um, Who I'd like to see is probably Buffalo. Okay. Yeah. And man, like, okay. So like I'm conflicted here when I saw the list because we've always talked about the legacy of Crosby and Malkin and I want them to make it. The only thing is, if they do make it, I feel like it's just going to give Ron Hextel another free hand to be like, see, we're still a contender. We could still get in there. I just have to keep adding. And I think not that like, I want him fired or anything. I'm just thinking that there has to be a change in the mentality of things. I think that he did a little bit of too much of the same thing and it cost quite a bit in terms of the assets and the cap hit to try to improve this team right now. But I think if there's going to be one wake-up call right now, especially in the twilight years of Crosby's career, I think it's right now that you need this wake-up call. Like, wait a minute, we're not as good as we thought we were. So other than them, um, I don't know. Like, Would it be crazy to say, like, I want the Ottawa Senators to make it? I... I mean, no, I don't think it's crazy, but do you think do you think they can? Um would be my question. I think if they pull it all together, if I think okay, I think a big thing is is what Derek Brassard and Claude Giroux came out and said. It's just kinda like 
what they expected out of this team. And I think that if the young guys buy into that idea, mm-hmm. then it is possible for them because you know they they swung for the fences with Jacob Chikrin um yeah. this season. Um I I think that they wouldn't have done it if they didn't believe in themselves. And I think that that's another jolt for them. That's the right jolt for them to make a run. Okay, so who are the two teams? I think it's Buffalo and Ottawa. Oh, that's a that is a good good show. I I think so uh, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe I'm a bit biased because I want Helios Sorokin to go <laughs> as far as possible. But I, I I do think the Islanders listen. They have a, three games in hand on a lot of teams. Uh, sorry, three games more played. Sorry, than a lot of teams behind them. Um, I, I say the Islanders get a wild card spot. Um. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Buffalo as the second wild card team. Okay. I think like I think they can make a really big push and I I want to say they have a lo- they have a few games same with Florida um with teams in the battle with them so there's a lot of four point games um going I obviously they're still missing Alex Tuck for a little bit, which will definitely hurt. But I think once they get him back, they got a team going. And really, if the goaltending can just stay together, mm. they're going to be fine. And they're going to face one of Carolina or Boston. And even if they get killed, I don't think it matters. The fact that they got into the playoffs for them should be um, should be impressive enough. Yeah, I think it'd be a good lesson for them to uh, go against a Carolina. And I've said it before on the show. The players they have here now, it's different. They actually want to be in Buffalo. Um, And I think that we talk about adversity with teams and that's how they got better. I think with the Sabres, there are so many of these uh, growing pains that they're really embracing that they're still able to keep their composure despite the losses. There's not, it's not like how it was before. We're just, you know, they were massacred out there. I think the Sabres are learning to be more competitive and they're learning to really capitalize on that core they're building. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, Now let's go to the West. The West is a little bit of a cluster because the division spots aren't really wrapped up. Um, Like, Edmonton could still make a divisional spot. It's very, uh, very messy. But I'm going to try to narrow down the teams who could be in a in somewhat of a wild card spot. Um, it's a lot of a shorter list than the East, though. Um, right now, Edmonton and Winnipeg hold the two wild card spots with 78 and 75 points, and then just behind them is Calgary and Nashville. We can also throw Seattle in the mix. Uh, they're third in the Pacific with 80 points. We can throw Colorado and Minnesota in the mix. They have uh, 76 and 79 points. Like, It's tight. It, it's very, very tight. Like, 
we can do this in two ways. You can give me who you think is going to finish top three in each division and then give me the wild card spot because I think the West is a little bit messy. So maybe we we do that. Who do you think finishes top three in the Central? Okay, I think I'm going to pick the same teams, but I'm going to flip okay. it. I think Colorado is going to finish second and Minnesota is okay. going to finish third. And Dallas will stay in, Dallas will in, stay. The, in the top. So yeah, that, that I could... I could see. I just, yeah, I wonder how much injuries still affect Colorado. Like they just have a, they've had such a poor year in terms of injuries. Um, okay. I, you know what? I will agree with you. How about in the Pacific? Like right now, Vegas and LA are tied with 82 points. Seattle sitting just behind them at 80. Who do you think finishes in the top three spots? Okay. So, I think Los Angeles will win the Pacific. Okay. And I think it will going to be Vegas and Seattle because I want to see Vegas and Seattle in the playoffs. In the playoffs. That would be that would be one. very interesting. But I'm I'm maybe I'm trying to be too much of an agent of chaos. Mm-hmm. But here's my hope. I hope the Kraken finish first. In the Pacific, <laughs> because I want a Vegas LA oh, first okay, yes, round rematch. series. No, no, no. <laughs> Screw the rematch. Okay. Think about Jonathan Quick on the Vegas Golden uh, Knights yeah, going yeah, up yeah. against <laughs> the team that traded him for like nothing. Tell, well, I mean, they got Gavrikov. I mean, tell oh, me yeah. that's not entertaining. That'd be entertaining. Um, and he's doing pretty well. Like he's, he hasn't been bad. No, he hasn't been bad. I mean, he's in front of a uh, arguably a better team. Um, all I'm saying is that would be a first round matchup and a half if we got to see Vegas and LA in the first round. Now that leaves. So you, you said you you keep the same three teams. Yeah, I keep the same three. Teams. Okay, let's keep it simple. Um, now that leaves us with four teams: Edmonton, Winnipeg, Calgary, and Nashville. I think the other teams are just way too far down. Yeah. Um, who? What are the combination? What are the two teams that you would pick for the wild card um, spot? I pick Edmonton, and I actually keep it Edmonton and Winnipeg. Winnipeg. I think the Flames. I think they're just not enough there this year. I think you know they're gonna come out maybe better a lot next year, but I think it's just this year. It's just not there. I've talked about it in our um, in our season preview that. I love the moves they did. I think they were great. They didn't back down. They supplemented everything that they've lost with uh, Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Goudreau and really fortified things. You know, Mackenzie Weger was solid as well. It's just, I had chemistry issues. I had issues of, are these guys going to repeat the same seasons they had last year? And individually, they've been solid, but it's just, not there. I think we had their fun with Calgary last year, but I think they're gonna just I don't know, this just take this as a step back because I just don't see there's enough there. Um with the Oilers, I think they're gonna keep surging. Um I could even argue that maybe they will be the ones that will break into the division, but I'll pick them. And I think with Winnipeg too, I think th- they've been pretty bad this last this last stretch of things, but yeah. They've done what they could for the core they have right now and you know Pierre-Luc Dubois is getting healthier too so we'll see what happens 
Um, Nashville, no, like I don't know. Nah. It just they they sold at the deadline. I I think it just I think about locker room culture. Like, how do you still try to like say like we're gonna go for the playoffs after we traded so many guys? The the the, the funny thing is is so they're three they have three games in hand on Winnipeg. And listen, obviously you're there's no guarantee you always win those games in hand but let's say they do that leaves them tied in points at the winnipeg which i think is uh it is hilarious to be honest it'd be hilarious if yeah they finished <laughs> they finished in a playoff spot and sold massively at the deadline um i'd agree I, to add on to calgary i think the other thing that's kind of been their downfall this year is just it has not been a good year for Markstrom and like they keep going back to him because I kind of think they have to the same way that the Oilers keep going back to Jack Campbell because they feel like they have to um that's been one of their even if Markstrom's looked fine at certain points it's really been one of their big downfalls for frankly both Alberta teams um in that their goaltending just hasn't been as up to par or as consistent as uh they would need it need it to be and and if you look at winnipeg like connor hellebuck's connor hellebuck man like that's i think gonna give them the edge over winnipeg i just think with edmonton when you have mcdavid and dry it's kind of hard like you're you're, you have either if you don't make the playoffs that says a lot more about the team around McDavid and Dreisaitl and less about McDavid and Dreisaitl. Yeah, in my I agree. Eyes. Um, all right. I think that's everything. I haven't mm-hmm. seen anything else. Um, no uh, is there... breaking news at this point. No, I, I feel like we're past the uh, the breaking news stage unless... I was going to say, it happens 10 injuries. minutes after we record every it, time, so it's okay. That That is true as well, but I was going to say... I was gonna say unless it's like an injury or something like that, um, there's not a whole heck of a lot of breaking news. Um, so obviously, thanks again for listening to another episode of the Two on One Podcast. Make sure to check us out everywhere. Uh, we are on most podcast platforms, and we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, I think that's everything. Mm-hmm. That's where we're everywhere. Daniel, do you have anything to add before we finish? No, thank you for listening. As always, this was very fun, and wish Adam the best on his assignments. Exactly, exactly. Yes. Okay, see you guys. Bye.